Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. And Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, that except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever, therefore, shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. But whosoever shall offend one of these little ones, which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hung about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Matthew chapter 18, verses 3 through 6. When this millstone verse is read or quoted, it is often used to illustrate God's deep love for and sense of protection over children and his extreme disdain for those who hurt them. While this application is surely true, when read within the context of the surrounding verses, we see that he was actually speaking of spiritual children, those who had just recently been born into his kingdom, that is to say, those who had just come to the faith and were new babes in Christ. As we read in 1 Peter chapter 22, verses 2-3, through 3, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby, if so be that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Therefore, in this context, do we see God's great disgust for those who offend and discourage those that are young and unlearned in the faith? saying that it were better for them that they had tied a huge heavy stone around their neck and had drowned themselves in the sea. The fact that he used a millstone for this expression was no coincidence because you see millstones were used to crush wheat. And wheat has always been used by God through scripture to represent his people. So the message being given through the imagery presented is don't crush God's tender wheat, his young believers, or the very thing used to crush them will be what drags you down into the abyss. Yes, offenses will come. All who will live godly will suffer persecution. But woe to the person that causes the offense especially when it comes from those who should know better. Because you see, if you go back to verse 1 of this passage, you will see that Jesus was actually talking to his disciples here. Therefore, the intended recipients of this message built upon the point that Jesus was making. He was saying that God is so greatly offended when those such as themselves, who are more established in the faith, discourage and cause to stumble those who are younger through pride, envy, arrogance, jealousy, selfishness, selfish agendas, or a lack of compassion and patience. 
Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 says this, but the fruits of the spirit of Jesus is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Sinners will sin. The world will offend. But woe if that offense comes from within. Because the passage continues by stating that God deems it better to actually cut off a member from the body of Christ than to allow it to drag the whole body to hell with it because of offense. Which is to say, discouraging or being a stumbling block to others by way of causing offense. This also encompasses those who bring division and contention within a body or congregation because of envy or desire to have preeminence among them. Jesus continues in this chapter in verse 6 to say, But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must need be that offenses will come, but woe unto that man by whom the offenses come. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halted or maimed, rather than having two hands or two feet and to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. So take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. So now do you see the context of the passage? We tend to break these up into different messages, but it's all part of one sermon and point being made here by Jesus. It's all about new converts. It's all about the spiritual little ones, those children that have just been born into the kingdom. They don't know a whole lot of things. They're being taught up and nurtured, but when they are discouraged, when they are offended, or when they're brought into sin by someone who ought be leading them and representing Jesus to them, it is a serious matter in the eyes of God. And it says that their angels stand before God day and night, constantly watching and relaying what is happening. God came to save the loss at all costs, not to run them off so that you can build your own kingdom or for your own comfort or convenience. My friend, we are meant to be selfless, humble, servants, mothers and fathers, taking care of spiritual children. Minister, believer, established member of the body of Christ, you better take this seriously. Because Jesus says that it's better to lose a part of the body 
than to let that member drag the entire body to hell. This is talking about a congregation, a body of believers that has a member among them. They're supposed to be all working together in the function of the fivefold. We understand that some are the foot, like the evangelist that goes out. Some are the mouth, like the prophet that speaks. Some are the hands, like ministries of helps. Some are the ones who teach and who preach. But it would be better to be missing a part of the body than to have one there that is devouring the lambs. There's no good shepherd that would have a guard dog for very long that ate the little ones. There is a very serious judgment coming. And we can understand this when we look at very serious sins like adultery or perversion in the pulpit. False doctrine, abuse, molestation. But my friend, I assure you that it comes in much more subtle forms also like gossip and slander and entitlement, and arrogance, and bitterness, and contention, and hard-heartedness, and envy, and meanness. I have actually seen elders in a church run two youths off because that they wanted their seat because it was closer to the evangelist. How sad and how great a weight of judgment are they going to have to face when they stand before Jesus? And he says, those kids need it to hear about me. Oh Lord, never let us be guilty of this even in passing. Let us be mindful and let us go the extra mile to tend to the little ones, to feed the sheep, to do the work of your kingdom, to walk in humility and selflessness like Jesus did. He gave us his Holy Spirit to empower us to do it. We will have no excuse for it on the day of judgment. Lord, forgive us if we've ever been guilty, Lord, if we didn't even realize that we did these things. Oh, Lord, teach us, give us eyes to see. And when we see it happening through somebody else around us, Lord, give us the strength to go in love and brokenness and tell that person that they might be brought to repentance before they face this judgment for it. Because the word of God says that there is coming a day when he's going to separate between the sheep and the goats, but then even between the sheep and the sheep. It says he's going to look in his own household and see who were the ones that fed themselves, who were the ones who were selfish and arrogant, who were the ones who did not tend to the lonely, the broken, the little ones. Let us be tender and gentle and humble and holy in the sight of our Lord and of those that we influence. Now that doesn't mean that we excuse sin in them because that will cause them to stumble as well, we speak the truth in love, we instruct, we do what any good mother or father would. In fact, that's where the term God-parent comes from. In the early church, when a person was first saved, they were born again. They were considered babes in Christ. They were children. And so they were assigned spiritual parents, a godmother, a godfather, someone who would lead and instruct them and help them to grow in the knowledge of the Lord, to understand the scriptures, to know right from wrong. Any good parent that loves their children will tell them when things are dangerous. They will instruct them in righteousness, but they won't do it from a heart 
of bitterness or meanness or just trying to run them off so they don't have to deal with them. I don't care how lost a soul is, we're here to fight for them. And I don't care how sound one is in the faith that has been found. If you cause them to stumble for your own selfish reasons, you will face the wrath of a very angry God for it. If you are guilty of this, you better fall on your face before him and repent. Because the Bible says that there is a greater damnation for those of us who know better and still sin and lead others astray by our actions. Not everybody's rewards are the same. My friend, if you go to hell, then it is torment and flame and there is nothing good about it. But the Bible says that there is an extra punishment, that it's a little worse for those who are guilty of this. God doesn't play with selfishness, especially when it hurts the least among us. Father, we pray for conviction in the hearts of the people, Lord. We pray for discernment, Lord, that the sheep not be eaten by the wolves in sheep's clothing, Lord. We pray that you would convict them, cause them to come to repentance and restore them to righteousness, Lord. We pray for healing in the hearts of the little ones who have been wounded, Lord. Remove the bitterness, the brokenness, Apply the balm of Gilead to it. You are our Jehovah Rapha, the one who healeth thee, the one who fixes things. Nothing is too hard for you, Lord. We pray that you do this for the entire body of Christ. Father, we repent of any offenses that we ourselves may have caused unintentionally. Give us a heart of mercy and compassion and patience and gentleness and kindness and long-suffering. Give us all the fruits of the Spirit that we can do your work with effectiveness. We rebuke and renounce all selfishness. Lord, we pray that you would help those who claim your name to understand your true character and to rightly demonstrate it in the earth that you care for the least of these, for the little ones, that it's about saving souls, not winning arguments, or building kingdoms, or fulfilling ambitions. Lord, we're the enemy meant to destroy the generations. We pray that you heal and strengthen and raise up the Josiahs and the Joshuas and the Calebs. Let your will and your work be done in this earth despite all the plots and plans of the enemy. Lord, heal the woundedness of the lambs and raise up the Davids that have been tending to his father's flock in little unknown places. The one who was willing to charge the bear and the lion to get one little lamb out of the mouth of the devourer. The ones that have proven that they love others more than themselves. Raise them up, Lord, to take the kingdom from the Saul's. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.